Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. The Blues Brothers. <laughs> no, uh-uh. Not, uh, not the Blues Brothers. If I was trying to guess the Blues Brothers, but I couldn't figure it out, you'd have to give me some blues clues. Okay. Just say it. Just say it. All right. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. I'm fine. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. And I'm Richard Spate Jr. And we're talking about season two, episode four of Super. That's right. And you know, the title is also a life lesson. Children shouldn't play with dead things. Well said. As a father, I know you mean that. And as a father, I know that you don't. (laughs) You don't know me. Um, Hey, everybody, before we get into it, please remember to rate us on iTunes and Spotify. We're honestly tired of asking, what do we have to do? How do we sweeten the pot? Does Rob need to take his shirt off? He'll do it. Just go give us five stars. You know you love the show. You wouldn't come back and back and back again unless you were a glutton for punishment. And that means you have problems that we can't solve here, not in a podcast, not in this podcast. So help us out, you know? You know, you're sick of us talking about it. We're sick of us talking about it. But we're trying to build an audience for our podcast. So please post the clips that we post on Instagram and Twitter and and help get the word out. All right, now into the episode. The boys pay a visit to their mother's gravesite. That's got to be painful. While there, Dean discovers dead vegetation around the grave of Angela Mason. They discover that she died in a car crash and they go to interview her father to see if there's anything mysterious about it. That's got to be awkward. They discover some old Greek books that make Dean suspicious. That's got to be hard to read. And he explains he's a college professor and has many books like that. Sam doesn't suspect anything supernatural is going on. So that's not an episode of the show. Right. He thinks that uh, Dean's just uh, trying to avoid dealing with the death of their parents. Um, Angela's boyfriend, Matt, though, is found dead, supposedly having slit his own throat. However, he's surrounded by a dead plant and the brothers are on to something. There's no chance that the uh, guy could just be uh, a terrible gardener. That's right. It must be something otherworldly. Because, you know, college-age boys usually keep (laughs) great-looking plants in their houses. Oh, yeah. Well, they pose as grief counselors and go to see Angela's good friend, Neil. Good friend in quotes. Yeah, Neil, some friend. Yeah, boy, I don't trust him. They find out that Matt was cheating on Angela. What? I don't, man, I don't like either of those dudes. Angela's a smoke show. Why would Matt cheat on her? I don't know. Matt's not right in the head. Well, and now he's dead. Sam and Dean <laughs> decide it's best to burn Angela's bones. However, when they dig up her coffin, they discover that the body is gone. Isn't that ironic? Matt was jumping Angela's bones, and Sam and Dean decided to burn her bones. Oh, it is. And there are some Greek symbols carved into the side of the coffin. First, the brothers confront Angela's father, the poor Dr. Mason, who's just trying to grieve his daughter, and he's got these two strange boys yelling at him. Oh, man, uh, Dean's a first-class jerk in that scene. Yeah, he is. Uh, He had those weird Greek symbol books, so Sam believes he's innocent. They visit Neil, Dr. Mason's TA, who wanted to be more than just friends with Angela. It's interesting. Neil was Dr. Mason's TA, and Neil, from Dr. Mason's daughter, was looking for a little TNA. And, and they're both the same person. <laughs> um, the brothers head to Angela's apartment and are able to save her roommate. Who they suspect. Who they suspect. Was cheating with Matt. with Matt. They save her from an attacking Angela who escapes despite being shot and stabbed. That's good. The brothers confront Neil again and set a trap at the cemetery to get Angela back in her grave. It works, and Dean is able to put a silver stake through her heart, pinning her to the coffin. Sam and Dean have a heart-to-heart after pinning the girl's heart. (laughs) 
with a set of scissors. Go figure. Oh, no, Silver Snake. Sorry. And Dean feels he should be the dead one. You know what? Wouldn't it have been interesting, after putting a silver stake through her heart, if Sam and Dean had had a heart-to-heart while watching the 80s hit show Heart-to-Heart? Heart, heart, yeah, that would be interesting. With Kevin Hart. <laughs> well, nevertheless, uh, at the very end, Dean feels he should be the one dead, not dad. It's uh, There's a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. Because there's something that... Uh, Dean needs to deal with his own emotions and he's just not doing it. Um, at this point, you know, there's a lot of, uh, my imitation of Sam and Dean is, I'm going to get coffee. Are you sure you're going to get coffee? And it's not about something else. There's a lot of that going on. You know, yeah. I thought, you know, I thought it was interesting, Robbie, is maybe I'm wrong, but well, I guess I am wrong. But it struck me that the teaser, nothing supernatural happened to the teaser. Like her having a car wreck was just her being depressed and having a car wreck. Yeah. It, it wasn't an outside force that caused the car wreck. Right. So the supernatural that, element doesn't start till after that. Yeah. In season two, I find that that's happening more and more. They're changing up a little bit what the their normal thing is, right? Right. We've also got, I've, I went back to making notes for this one. We're just diving in. I, I kind of saw what was coming, coming. Like as soon as she was sad about her hot boyfriend dumping her and took the hands of her nerdy pal saying, you're such a good friend. And you saw his puppy dog eyes staring at her. You knew Something was going to go wrong and he was going to be the creepo behind it because he couldn't win the love of this girl. So he was going to figure out some way to manipulate life. I didn't know necessarily it was going to come back on him. I certainly didn't realize that he, you know, that he had a hot zombie in his basement. No, I mean, but I, I just, I just, when something started going, you know, off the rails, I just knew that kid was suspect number one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's the first time I've seen on camera, like sort of, you know, hot, hot zombie action. You know what I mean? Well, zombie on zombie. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, zo- hot- she didn't look like your traditional zombie, by the way. Right. Exactly. Now, just that she, you know, was, uh, really seductive with him, kissing him. He seemed okay with that. You seem okay with that. I am okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've written down here in my notes. Good app. I like this episode. Yes. Um, there's a creepy Dean moment where he sneaks into the house and that girl's like pantsless or something. And she's like, ah, and he's like, no, oh, I, uh, I had a key. Yeah. Th- that scene seemed a little dated. Like he went towards her door. I'm like, uh, way to be aggressive. Uh, strange yeah. white man in the, uh, apartment of young sorority girl, like really, really yeah. creepy. Yeah. And then he says, his excuses like, well, why wouldn't I know him if I didn't have a key? It's like, oh, just. And then she completely softens. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah. that, that, that definitely had some dated writing in it in that yeah. scenario. Um, here's another thing I didn't realize about zombie uh, lore. It's, uh, zombies make plants die? Is that something? I, I don't know. I honestly did not know. Maybe they'd just, they just have an aura of death about them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's always like yeah. i've seen a bunch of zombie movies i don't remember grass and trees collapsing around them as they move through the woods yeah i don't remember that either and yet here we are um i like this episode i i thought it was a kind of a again a, a different take on the zombie thing and uh and that the whole thing about while we're figuring this out there's this struggle between sam and dean still trying to pick up the pieces with dad being gone right mom being gone and Dean's really uh, struggling with it. Listen, I thought it was a really good episode in terms of Jared and Jensen doing what they do best. Like that scene at the end mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. You know, that's the, where they pull off from the side of the road and have that yeah. heart to heart. Yeah. I mean, it's rock solid. Why those guys sure. are TV stars. They deliver on such a emotional level that lesser mm-hmm. actors wouldn't be yeah, able to do. hundred um, percent. What kind of beard, what kind of beard are you going to give this one? Um, I have one question first, and I'm going to ask this question based on your zombie question. If he had just had a salad right. for lunch and then she came onto him, would he immediately barf because he right. had rotten food? Probably, in his belly? but she wouldn't mind because she's a zombie. They barf all the time. So I give it, <laughs> I give it just a just a, a dirty, grown out beard. Really, you like it that much? I I'm going. No, my, no, my ideal beard that. is a well groomed, full beard. Yeah, but a big, bushy, full beard, right? Like a groomed, full beard, like a, like a Chris Stapleton. Yeah. I give it. I give it a Stapleton. Yeah. You're giving it a Stapleton. I'm not going to Stapleton. I'm going. Uh, I'm going George Michael. I'm going. Uh, you know, trimmed beard. Because me, it's saved by the uh, great Sam and mm-hmm. Dean scene at the end. But I kind of saw the. Mm-hmm. I saw this one coming. Right. I saw the plot. Okay. Happening. We're uh, we're we're equally on uh, opposite sides of the perfect spectrum. We're not. That's right. We got it. We got a Chris Stapleton yeah. and a George Michael. That's not. That's uh-uh. not a terrible episode. 
All right, well, uh, we've got uh, two great interviews in this episode, the first of which is going to be Amara Zaragoza, who is the uh, the guest star, played uh, Angela in this episode. And then we're going to talk to Jeannie Chow, who is head of the hair department at the time. First up, Amara Zaragoza. Uh, most recently played Denise Davidson in Walker with our very own Jared Padalecki. Uh, but you can see her also in Dirty Sexy Money, Gossip Girl, and Strange Angel. Here's Amara. Such a treat uh, to have with us uh, the lady that carries the episode, Amara Zaragoza. Did I, get, did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Amara, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. You are not only are we thrilled to have you here because your role is so cool on the show. And I loved it. You know, I know you and I worked with you, and you're a super fun and lovely person to have on board. Well, now tell but us also, more about that, Rich. Where did you where did you work with her? Well, we I, I I had the good fortune of directing Amara in an episode of Walker. She was yeah. a pretty darn big player uh, on the show, yeah. uh, and. And as, as she likes to say, I made her walk and talk. <laughs> I made her walk along. Real fast, real fast. Speed it up. It was so fun. Yeah, that was really great. And it was one of our first episodes of Walker. And so it was just coming right out of COVID and coming back to work after a couple of years of not being on set and then just going boom, 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 100 miles an hour. It was so fun. It was really wow. good to just jump back in and get a little pressure. <laughs> and I think, the, I think the backstory of that is the way the scene is written, there's nothing about it that would indicate it's a walk and talk. Yeah. So yeah. I had oh, this really? woman, you know, literally almost jogging out of her office down the hall to another office, going oh, in, funny. talking to a guy. Like she never sat down. And if you just read the script, you might think, oh, I'm sitting behind my desk. Yeah. And you know, you rehearse it a certain way and you kind of sure. get stuck in it. And I was a little rusty because I had just come back after a long break. And so I was like, whoa, okay, well, I'm going to do this. But I will say it made it so much more interesting and so much better that I love that you did that. And it was really good to get back in the fire like that. So good. Well, and you crushed it. And that was, and so that's our meeting, Rob. That's our origin story. Okay. The two of us. Yeah. And I got to say, there's something pretty remarkable about this, this meeting we're having right now because, and I think Rob would agree with me here, he never pronounces anybody's last name correctly, not the tough ones. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I always make him do it because I butcher them too. But I would, you know, I had a when leg you, up because I knew you. Yeah. But Rob, and you, you heard, nailed it. This is I really your, your finest hour. I almost criticized myself before I even finished. I was like, Amara Zero goes, did I get it right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Just spit it out real fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Amara, um, we'll backtrack to, to Supernatural, but but when doing Walker, at what point did Jared and you, was it like, hey? Um, I, I, I think I knew for the audition and I was like, oh, that would be really funny. But I don't think that he knew. And when I met him on set and it was so long ago, I was like, and, and my name is different, you know? And so uh, I don't think that he knew at all. And so I went up to him on set and I was like, yo, I was the zombie. And I think it was like the first, it was the second season. Right. So, yeah. so way in the beginning. And he was like, oh my gosh. And then his parents came to set and I got to meet his parents because they really liked the zombie character. Yeah. I was like, no way. This is so cool. And it was my, also, that was one of my favorite jobs. Um, so I think I told him and we, we were both kind of blown away that we were working together again after like 18 years or That's something. That's awesome. Know? Yeah. His parents, <laughs> his parents are great. They actually watched the show and you forget that. I don't know why I, I would think that they wouldn't, but like they, they, whenever I see them, they're like, they know exactly what I'm doing, what my character did on the, on, in the show and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, totally. They loved it. My favorite thing about seeing the Padalecki parents is... Mr. Padalecki will come up and be like, hey, when are they bringing you on the show again? I'm like, I think you <laughs> yeah. could probably get that answer from the tall guy you <laughs> sired. You know, yeah, like, you're like, I, I have think, nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, so what, let's talk about your experience with Supernatural yeah. now. Like you were there for the early, early, early episodes. What was it like? What was the tone on the set? What were Jared and Jensen like? Tell us what you can remember the, from the experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was one of my first jobs. And so, and I got to fly to Vancouver and I was like, oh, I have made it. I have arrived. You know, it was like the best thing ever. And everyone was so unbelievably nice and so sweet. And I, I only worked with Jared and Jensen a little bit because I was off running around doing zombie stuff on my own. So I 
bonded with the director, Kim, and he was just, I loved him so much. And I was so excited, you know, when you first start working, I mean, I'm still like that. I'm still really excited on set. It's like my happy place, but I, I wanted to do everything. I was like, Oh, I get shot. Can I wear the squid? Can I do? And they had a stunt person that was supposed to do everything. And I was like, please, 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 please. Can I do it? I'll do so good. And he let me do stuff. And so I, I'd get shot and I would do it good. And people would clap and I'd run over and hug them and be like, Oh my God, it was so great. (laughs) And so it was really, really cool. And then by the time Jared and Jensen came on and I was like chasing them in the graveyard, it was later in the episode or in the filming. And they're unbelievably handsome also. And so I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like I have to chase these guys around. Um, And I just kept laughing the whole time. And they had to throw me in a grave and stab me in the heart. And we had to do so many takes because I would just crack up and then they would crack up. And But nobody was ever annoyed because it was just a big fun game, you know? And Kim would be like, okay, we got to get it on this one. And I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. So it was really great. It was one of my favorite experiences. Ever. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And it stayed that way on that set. It, it really did. I, I didn't I didn't realize until right now that Jared and Jensen were handsome. Yeah. That's like yeah. that's I mean, there's news. That's a change. That is a don't, change. Don't bury the headline, Rob. You know, and you're like 22, and I'd just be blushing all the time, and they'd be like, okay, go. And I'd be like, I'm running, you know. There's so, so we fun. we've interviewed a lot of people for season one that we just finished, and a lot of actresses now, you know, who are in their forties now, who were early twenties or late teens then. And to a person, they're like, well, when I first met Jared and Jensen, I walked into a telephone pole because I was struck <laughs> by how gorgeous they were, you know, or it's, it's, yeah. it's all part of the story for those. Yeah. Totally. Cause also they're so tall, you know, they're like, they're striking physically as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when I had to take off running and I, now I, cause I watched it last night so that we could talk about it. And it was Jared that I was chasing and I wanted to do so good. And I was trying so hard that I just like sprinted and I caught him <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to catch oh, him. And he, I remember you. him turning around and he was like, girl, you're too fast. Like chill out. We had to do this 20 times. I didn't know how to pace myself. So it was really funny. I have a lot of really funny memories about that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. For me as a, as a man who's height challenged, that was my first reaction to them. I was like, God, they're just so freaking tall. Yeah. Now listen, you go into doing this episode and you're playing a zombie. So a great role. You're excited to do it. But did you think they would be like the old school zombie, like crusty makeup and goo and all that kind of stuff? No, because she was still like, I almost thought that she maybe still thought she was kind of alive. Like it wasn't like a full, like, you know, walking dead situation. And I still, I was like sexy zombie. I still got to make out with my boyfriend and kind of seduce people and stuff. And it was really cool to act normal with scars and blood, you know, like with bullet holes, but to act like a girl that's trying to seduce this guy to get her to do what she wants. And so I thought it was a really cool little opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And did, were you, did you, were you close with the guy who played your boyfriend? Was it, was he? Um, he, we hung out a little bit and I remember it was so long ago. I know yeah. that we were all friends and kind of hanging, but I honestly didn't work with everyone that much. Right. Like it was yeah. so many different little things. I just looked, did you know, Jared Kiso played my, he was the boyfriend. And then the other guy was my friend that I was seducing. So I worked right. with the other guy more, but Jared Kiso is on Letterkenny and I am literally obsessed with Letterkenny. I oh, I didn't know that. that I, I have seen a little bit about, uh, I've seen a little Letterkenny, but not enough to have. Which one is together. he in Letterkenny? He's the main dude that created the entire thing. And I was like, that was my boyfriend 20 years ago. No I'm way. Obsessed. That is the funniest show I've ever seen. I watch it that's so awesome. much. Yeah. So. Rich, Rich. Uh, it, it, so that's a Canadian show. That's uh, it's super funny. Everyone swears by it who watches it. And actually, Rich is the one who told me, I thought you were rich. You were like, you got to watch a show. It's so funny. Dude, I, I, yeah, because I think Jensen told me to watch the pilot of that, you know, the first episode. And I watched yeah. it and I just howled with laughter. I thought it was so funny. Wow, that's so yes. funny. So he's the one that gets killed early. The, yeah, I kill him right. first. Yeah, he yeah. was my boyfriend and we were fighting and he was right. cheating. Exactly. And I slit his throat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I have just been, pr- I'm like, please let me just do one episode of Letterkenny because I love it so much. And then I was like, I worked with him. That's, That's so crazy. funny. I love wow. Supernatural. Everybody did it. It's such oh, a yeah. good, every, like good, crew. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, so much 15 years of television, there's some great guest stars have passed through. More, more than once, a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So- was there choreography where you're, with your final death scene? Was there, what was that process like, you know, going through that with Jensen? Of when I get uh, shot a bunch of times and fall in the grave yeah, and he me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
That was so amazing. And I was not supposed to do it. And that's another thing. I bought Kim a really nice bottle of scotch for like. Oh, wow. Wow. Because they were really worried. So I had all the squibs in my head and then in my chest. And they were just like, you cannot look down. Like when the squib goes off, if you panic and look down, it'll go in your eyes and it'll be really bad. And so they set up this pole with a little light on it. And they were like, stare at the pole. Don't take your eyes off of that light when the squibs go off and every time it goes off, take one step back. And so I measured the steps. And so it was like three shots. And so I was like, okay, step one, step two, step three. And then I had to fall back into the grave without looking, you know, so make sure that you don't step back too far and you fall in the grave or you don't step back enough. And then you hit yourself when you go back. And so, and he was like, look, girl, I'm only letting you do this one time because it's, you shouldn't really be doing it. And I was like, okay. And so I did it and I did it so good. And I jumped, I was so fearless, you know, when you're young and you're just like, I'll never get hurt. So I jumped up and my feet were parallel when they passed the camera. So it looked like I flew and I ran back over there and he gave me a hug and and let me watch the playback. And we were like, whoa, because I like ran backwards and jumped, you know, I just never thought I would ever get hurt. I was Uh, at that age. You don't think that, right? Yeah, Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Was was there anything in your experience that was, and I don't want to say negative, obviously you're having a field day. It's a great gig, great people, Mm -hmm. great crew. But was there ever a scene or a moment, a stunt, anything where you were like, whoa, this is is challenging beyond what I thought it would be or concerning? Yeah. um, So I had to jump out. She was very fast, (laughs) Angela. And I had to jump out the window and run down this thing. And I, and the camera was on the floor. And so- I, you know, and I was throwing myself into stuff so much that I threw myself on the floor a little too hard and I hit my temple because I was supposed to land and the camera was kind of even with my face and I landed and I hit, knocked myself out. (laughs) Oh my God. What? And they, yeah. And so I was probably out for just a minute or two, but um, they saw it on screen. They saw my eyes kind of leave, you know? And so they turned me over and I woke up and everyone was standing over me and they were like, are you okay? Like, you know, you're really, you're trying too hard here. You got (laughs) to settle down. Um, So that one, I was like, okay, I have to be, I just have to be more aware and hold myself back a little bit more. Cause I was like really gung ho. Wow. (laughs) That is... (laughs) Yeah, that's a I, I, that's a bigger answer than I was expecting. Yeah. Holy cow! You knocked yourself. Yeah. I was like, you literally knocked yourself silly. <laughs> I did. It was so funny, but I did learn to kind of pull back and be more conscious and aware when you're yeah. doing stuff like that. You know, it's a great actor. I had done lesson. that. I did it on another job. I was supposed to get this uppercut in a fight scene, and I threw my head back so hard that I flew back onto my head. Like I just. Oh my I god! Try, I know. I try so hard. I love. I just love the stunts, and I, now I'm like, okay, you got to just focus and yeah. really stay present. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot. So you, earlier you were saying you had squibs, which to people listening is is when when you, you have a gunshot and they'll put a little explosive pack on you that doesn't hurt if it's facing the right way. It kind of goes out and uh, it's like a little firecracker that goes off and it, and it looks like you're getting shot. You had those on your face. Yeah. I had one on my forehead and he shot me and I just snapped my head back and open my eyes and start running and chasing him, which is crazy. It was yeah. so fun to do. Yeah. And it looks so good on camera. I it's a great that. shot. Yeah. It's a good, it's a cool shot, but yeah, so that's cool. That, that seems scary to me to have one of those on your skin like that. Yeah. You don't think yeah. about that. You think about being a squib being under clothing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they put a layer of prosthetic on my forehead and then they put the little, like a the lightest little, you know, squib there and then they covered yeah. it again. And so, wow. but I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it wow. was really cool. You could chop my arm off. Just let me work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Especially when you're first starting out in a Domino's yeah. commercial. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you're 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 live Angela and dead Angela. We don't get to see live Angela very much. Do you think she was very different than zombie Angela? Yes, 100%. I think she was she was very shy and she was kind of, you know, dating this dude who didn't treat her well and she had this best friend who was in love with her but she just needed someone to talk to and so she was kind of quiet and I think like being dead brought out, you know, now she could kind of do whatever she wanted and was like, "Oh, I can kill you." Like Right. Totally. <laughs> I can kiss you and then kill you. You. Yeah. No, there's a lot of power there. And they're really, you know, with that guy who obviously is smitten with her uh-huh. and she's like using that to sort of get what she wants. 
Yeah. And I think with each injury, you know, like first I got stabbed with the scissors and it's like, oh, I can't be hurt anymore. So then she got a little bit more brave and a little bit more violent, like every time. Yeah. 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 So that was really fun. It's a cool character. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool character and you do a great job with it. Thank you. Will we be seeing you next season of Walker? Yes. So yeah, I was supposed to do five episodes, I think. And then I got stretched out and I got, I did almost the whole season. I was up until the last episode, which was great. Great. And um, yeah, and it's really funny working with Jared and he's so funny. He makes so many jokes that you just laugh the whole time. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, they haven't told me what I'm doing next season, but I know the storyline isn't wrapped up and I'm kind of the last remaining, well, me and my kid are the Davidsons. And so I feel like they have to have a war there. So I don't know. They could wrap it up in two episodes or they could drag it on and keep me there the whole time, which that's great. would be great. Well, however much we get you on screen is uh, great because you're, A, you're great to watch, B, you're great to work with. And so it, it's delightful not only to have you on our television screens, but also to have you on our podcast to talk to us about your, your supernatural and Walker experiences. And yeah, hopefully uh, Rich will be directing next season and you guys will work together again. I know. I hope so. We can do some more running and I'll take the scene that's supposed to be a hospital bed and I'll make, I'll put it on a track and make yeah. you do laps. <laughs> she's doing push-ups as she's doing the in the courtroom. <laughs> you do know I'm playing a paraplegic now, Rich. Well, whatever. We'll switch it up. Um, thank you so much for being here. That's oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Great to see you. And you'll you might see Jared before we do. Who's to say? But either way, have fun with the Walker crew and tell them we all say hello. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, guys, hold on. We're coming right back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. Well, that was great. It's so great to talk to Amara about... Oh, my gosh. She's so fantastic. I mean, I loved her in Supernatural and then didn't even put together, as you know, because I already told you, that I'd worked with her. She is a delight to work with as an actress when you're directing her. She's just a delightful person. Glad we got to talk about all that. Well, let's move on to our next one. Next up, we have Jeannie Chow, who was head of the hair department for eight seasons. Uh, She's currently working on Percy Jackson and the Olympians and Yellow Jackets. And she was on Supernatural from 2005 to 2014. Here's our old friend, Jeannie. It's been a while, Jeannie. Yeah, I know. It's been like, I don't know, what, eight years or something? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you were the, sort of a name that I threw out early because I, as an actor, like one of the people that I get to know, I always get to know the hair and makeup trailer. And the people in that trailer. No, but I'm talking about the drawers, like where they keep <laughs> the brushes and the hair dryers. And then All the, the important makeup. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's great to see you. How are you doing? Um, I've been really well. Thank you. It's summertime here, so the city is lively. And Now, what city are you in? I'm in Vancouver. Happy Canadian? Canada Day, by the way. I happy... am Canadian. <laughs> yes, and happy Canada Day. We heard it was Canada Day. It is. Yeah, it's a day to celebrate Canada. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what Rob and I are doing by talking to a Canadian. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that you guys can participate. <laughs> but let's dive into this, because I think... You have one of the more interesting jobs on any set. It's like bartenders and (laughs) makeup and hair people get the real scoop in life, you know? Well, we get this undivided attention, you know? We get this allotted time of whatever it is, you know, 15, 30 minutes, an hour on a regular, consistent basis. So you really get to know people. You really get to form strong relationships. You get to know personal details of life just because we're there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so did you do Jensen and Jared or were you, and the guest stars? Um, you know, it really depended on the timing of the schedules and how, how the cast were kind of came in on a certain days. So Jared and Jensen were my main priority priority. And I always like to deal with all the creature effects, ah. you know, all the monsters, ghoulies, yeah. Stuff that goes eek at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with the guest stars, you know, again, depending on, you know, the day and who who those people were. Right. So did Jensen and Jared have a say in their own look? Was it is it easy as you know? I mean, yeah, yes, and yes, yes. You know, every actor kind of does have like a little bit of a say of what they like. 
Eric Kripke and Kim Manners were always really good at giving notes as well as how they wanted the direction of the show and the look of people. Mm-hmm. And of course, melding my own ideas as well too within that. Of course, yeah. When you're melding your own ideas into that conversation, is that obviously you're hired for your creative input, you're hired for your talent. So is that something you do on your own and then sort of present and like, this is the look I think I'm going for or what I'm going to go with? Or do you not have to get approval? I mean, like, can you just do it and it lives on the screen or is there an intermediary step? Sometimes there is an intermediary step. I, again, with that really good trust and bond that I had with Eric and the rest of the producers and Kim, I think over time and over a few episodes, they just kind of liked what I did and they let me have a lot of trust in the say and how people looked. Hair can be such a journey. <laughs> um, it, it's a huge part of, you know, even outside of film, hair is so important to people. People get so emotional. There's such an attachment to hair. It's such a part of their identity. And so there's a sensitivity to that that most people just don't understand unless you're a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. And so with that kind of psychology and reading the scripts and going through each character and what they're going through, what kind of a person they are, where they live, the demographics, you kind of put all these ideas together, the age that they are, you know, maybe the type of job that they have to build a character mm-hmm. and to put that forward so that character becomes even more believable when you put all your great acting talent into that as well, too. You know, there's such a trust thing about that. You just hit on a, a really valid point. No one says, oh, I'm having a bad eyebrow day or a bad beard or face day, but they say I have a bad hair day can ruin your day. Like the term Mm -hmm. bad hair day is a thing. It's a thing. Um, Yeah. And I'm not even, I don't have long glorious locks and I can be paranoid about it. So certainly if you have a lot to play with, it's got to be a lot going on. And it's not just the chair factor. It's not just they wake up in the morning, they show up in your chair, you make, you make their hair look the way it should look and then send them on their merry way. It's Take after take, the wind blows, there's action sequences, everything has to be reset. Obviously, you have team members who work with you to oversee a lot of that. But if if you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're doing Jared Jensen's, Jared and Jensen's hair in the morning, then you're tracking their hair all day long, right? So you're the one at the monitor watching to make sure number one and number two look the way they're supposed to look take after take. Correct. Um, And that's a lot of maintenance throughout the day, depending on the action, depending on the weather, depending on what they're doing as well, too. They used to play a lot of sports in between takes, Uh, (laughs) lots of football, lots of football throwing gym gym sessions at lunchtime. Um, So, yeah, it's it's, it's, um, definitely a job of getting them ready in the morning and then maintaining that look throughout the day or changing them depending on, you know, what the scene calls for as well. We've had a lot of sweaty, bloody, dirty scenes. There was a lot of grave digging. There was a lot of car (laughs) car chasing, running through the bushes and all that kind of stuff. Lots of hunting, you know, so you want to also add those little elements um, to make it look real. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Jared's hair, which is uh, is really a character of its own. What, let's talk about the evolution of Jared's hair for a second. So when he started, he was sort of a gee, aw shucks, uh, young teenager haircut. And then it really grew. Was he like, hey, I want to grow my hair out long? It was just kind of a natural progression. I think as, you know, as the scripts evolved and when he first started in season one, you know, he was just this fresh face out of college. He had all these hopes and dreams. Uh And as the seasons kind of went on and he became more of a seasoned hunter, he saw and did a lot of things that he probably never thought he would do. And that gives you a lot of maturity. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of, uh, you know, it just matures you in a way that other people may not mature. And so with that hair revolution, just kind of wanted to take him from being this college freshman to, you know, full-blown adult and taking on huge responsibilities that other people wouldn't even dream to take on or think of taking on. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is Jared's hair evolution, which is substantial. It's substantial. I love all the memes and and all the drawings out there. Thank you, all the fans. (laughs) I know I never, I know I I never ever say anything about it. I'm pretty quiet about the whole thing, but I enjoy all of it. (laughs) It's great. It's great. I'm looking, he's a handsome fellow with a great head of hair. So I'm sure it was fun to experiment with, but you have Jared's very, very, very transformational hairstyles butting up against Jensen's one haircut that he got once and never changed his look ever again. 
Jenkins' character, um, Dean, you know, he was the solid rock, right? Like he was always the one that was there for Sam. He's always been that constant person where, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is, you know, 16 years ago when I started season one, you know, Sam's character, I think, was kind of wavering in and out of wanting to stay in the biz and kind of wanting to get out. And I, I believe if by memory, Dean always was the family business kind of. Yeah. So I think just kind of having that solidity of, you know, just a consistent presence, I just felt that kind of helped kind of tell that story. Right. And also just with both of their hairs, you know, there's this, you know, they're kind of classic timeless styles. Supernatural to me has always been such a portrayal of Americana, classic music, classic cars, road trips, diners, motels. Um you know, all the things that people think of the heart of, of America, you know, and so I kind of wanted to just keep that in mind with the Winchesters as just being classic all-American guys that out there doing good for their people, you know, taking on yeah. responsibilities. And so that's kind of another thought process I had with the whole hair journey for yeah. Dean. And that's Dan amazing. Well. And, and that's a question we actually had for you, literally written down how we're commenting on how timeless the, the supernatural hairstyles were and was that intentional? And there you go. It was, that's awesome. <laughs> the other thing about the hair that a lot of people don't realize is that you do the wigs for the stunt doubles. So if Jared had a stunt double, you had to give his stunt double his hair, which is not an easy task. How do you learn to do that? I mean, is that because you're just styling on like a, a fake head, right? And you're just sort of styling it to be the same. And it's amazing. And then you you see them side by side and they look exactly the same. That that must be in its, its own art form, eh? It definitely is its own art form. So yes, we custom make wigs. I had them made for both Dean and for Sam. And they're very labor intensive. They take weeks to make. They're, each individual hair is hand tied into this mesh lace so that it form, forms a very tight fit on the person who's wearing it. So it just looks natural because the whole point is to make it look like the hair is actually growing out of that person's head. Right. Um, and then I just style it, color it, color it um, cut it, apply it with some glues and some bobby pins and that kind yeah. of thing. And there you go. Voila. Um, as far as learning, it's just something I kind of learned along the way. I had some really great people that I've worked with in the past that had very great, good wig skills. And they passed that on to me and just by trial and error. Yeah. And you just kind of through experience, learn how to get better and better at it. Well, it's amazing. And on this show, it's so, like I said, it's so important because the the stunt double is a very real thing that, you know, the guys needed, especially, uh, well, really all through, all through it. They had a great stunt men doing their, the, the dirty work. Um, so, I, so I, I have another psychology question for you because sure. I'm kind of circling back to my opening point about how valuable that relationship is between you and your actors, because you are literally the first person they see, they get out of their car, they walk into your trailer. That's what, that's how it progresses. Obviously it's not in the job on paper in the description, but do you find you and your, your colleagues in this profession, in this field, is there a certain responsibility that has been foisted upon you to be the cheerleaders that be sure you send these people out into the world in good moods. Cause I know they don't always arrive in good moods. Like, you know, you're get you're catching them in whatever state they're in. And I, and I, I'm not talking about Jared and Jensen only I'm talking about just everybody who comes to your chair could have had a fight with their boyfriend on the phone call. could be hungover. could be X, Y, and Z. And yet they're going to do a day's work. You're the first person to set the tone on that. And you, like I said, you're kind of the fresh ears to hear the stories. Have you developed a skill set that helps you navigate that and get their head right for a day's work? Uh, that's a really interesting question because it's, yeah, it's definitely a skill that has evolved over time and it's not a responsibility that anybody has ever kind of asked of us of, you know, Hey, make sure everybody's in a good mood. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's not part of the job description, but yeah. Um, I think I'm just a very sympathetic person too. So I, I think I just have like good ears. I have, I, I just like listening to people and I'm also very observant. So I just kind of put all those kind of things together. I also just want for myself as well as everybody else that I work with, I just like to have a nice atmosphere at work. You know, life can kind of be hard enough as it is out there. Yeah. And if this is one place where we can find some peace, then why not create a really nice environment? You know, I would imagine your field attracts people who 
who are good with people. I mean, obviously your field requires that you're, you know, you must work with another human being uh, literally intimately, you know, working with them. So yeah, I would think that that's part of the job description almost. It is part of the job description, but it's definitely not like a, it's not a prerequisite either. Right. You know, most people are are kind of looking for skills. Uh, I don't know if they're looking for connection therapy skills. (laughs) Right, right, right. 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 But I think to Rob's point, I don't think, I don't think you'd be attracted to the job if you didn't have some of that. I mean, because you know, you're intimately connected to the person. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe you don't even know that's part of what draws you to the job. Obviously the artistry of it all is what really pulls you, but that connection with humanity with human reaction is obviously got to be something you care about, or you wouldn't want to be that close to somebody's head for an hour no, every day. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a very intimate position. You know, you're physically touching somebody and, you know, you have to build a good relationship, you know, trust. I've said that a few times, but I think there's just, you know, a lot of different aspects that I like about this job. I just also really love films and television. I love the whole script reading, the breakdown, like being a part of a group to put together something creative and have this like wonderful product at the end that multiple people can enjoy for, you know, various different reasons. So I just like the format and the media of just TV and film too. So I think that's just another angle of mine personally to see the success of the project that I'm working on. Yeah. Right. And if part of that success means helping the casts in whatever way I can so that they're able to focus on the job and do whatever it is that they need to do and look great or look, you know, look dirty or whatever it is at the same time, then to me, that's just my, a job well done. Yeah. In this episode we're talking about, and right now you've got Angela who dies and then comes back sort of as a zombie. Um, Her hair is great throughout the episode Um, with all the action and special effects that are going on. That must be a challenge to sort of keep her hair the same. Is that something where you like, okay, we need to be on it. We got to be on the set, making sure that, that it stays consistent. Yeah, definitely on days like that, when there's a lot of action. And I think I remember that episode probably had a lot of night scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and at nighttime, there's obviously a lot more moisture in the air, which can disrupt my hairstyles. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it, as soon as it gets wet, it's done when it's not uh-huh. supposed to be wet. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of maintenance, uh, a lot of following people around to say, Hey, what are you doing? Can you hold an umbrella? (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. Why don't you you come and get some shelter over here? (laughs) You know, those kind of things. Um, everybody thinks you're just really, really nice, but no, not at all. You just want to protect the hair. Come and get warm in this tent. (laughs) So, so how many, remind me, I haven't written down, but how many seasons did you do Supernatural? Oh, geez. I think it was eight seasons. One through eight. Like really the formative years. Yeah. Do you have one creature, and I'm not referring to Jared and Jensen as creatures, so let's (laughs) take them off the show. But one, one creature or monster that stands out to you as your favorite that you created? Oh, you know what? I was trying to think about that and I was kind of going through all the episodes and trying to pinpoint. And it's so hard because there's so many, there's so many different episodes that are great for so many different reasons. But um, I think I can say... Especially in season one and season two, I think I just have to go by seasons and not episodes. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> because those those first two seasons were really based on the folklore, the superstitions. Yep. You know all those childhood freaky things that scared us. You know, like who's under the stairs and right. You know all those kind of things. So that's really kind of what drew me at first to Supernatural is because right. as a kid, all those things scared me. You know, the the whole yeah. Bloody Mary thing, and you know that that whole horror genre that's yeah. really laced into reality. Yeah, and the Benders. That was the Benders had good. Uh, Gross yeah, the Benders hair. was like, well, that was kind of creepy gross because they weren't really even creatures, you know, they weren't. I know, they were just like, they were just like people of the woods. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, and you know, that whole group of guys that played the Bender family was just, oh, it was just so many layers of creepy because there are real people out there that live yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was also just reminiscent of that episode in X-Files that, that also kind of had the, that kind of backwoods family. I don't even, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, I think the Benders was, was that Kim Manners episode? Gosh, I, can't I can't remember, remember now. now. We just um, it, but. Yeah, but anyhow, so we 
we meaning Shannon, Coppin, and I, um, you know, we came up with this special makeup and hair that we concocted like a soup gel with a little bit of like a gritty color in there and just kind of ran it through their faces and ran it through their hair that this would give them that lived in aged grimy like I haven't had a shower in maybe five years right. you know these are the yeah. this is the same outfit I've worn for the last year yeah 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 <laughs> you know? uh, it, it was so. Peter Ellis who directed that episode oh Peter Ellis that's right oh that see all these great names that's why it's really hard to like just pick one episode because over the span of eight years I've worked with so many wonderful people whether in direct you know directors the writers the cast yeah. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to pick one out of eight. Yeah. That's like, I mean, in a total, I think I was looking it up. I think I did like a 175 episodes. Wow, a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. It's hard to pick just one favorite. You can't pick a favorite child. Well, okay, so not, ignore the idea of favorite, but like the bender stands out to you. Is there is there another character or another monster that stands out to you as having been fun or challenging? You know, I have to say, like the one that you know, Scarecrow stands out to me the hookman stands out to me that he stands out to me because that was like the episode that never finished there were so many pickups on that episode so that one just kind of stands oh, out interesting. for me there was one with a doctor a creepy doctor i can't remember what the episode that was called. oh maybe maybe we haven't gotten oh, to that rob no that, well there, there's the one maybe in, that maybe in that's insane asylum guy yeah there was that, maybe that the, one remember that doctor rich no, the, the base of the he ghost had... in the insane asylum, the, the shutdown insane asylum. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. The one that I Guy remember... B directed. Yes, I think that's the one. Um, that one was very interesting to me because I think we had to make four or five different versions of that doctor. So there was a stunt double. There was a photo double. Right. Um, there may have been like another form of him. But anyways, we had five or four versions of him. I have a photo of it somewhere and they're all lined up together. Wow. So that's when that's when work gets fun is when you're kind of recreating yeah. this kind right. of magic, I guess you can say. Movie if magic. you find that photo, send it along to Steve, our producer. We'd, we'd love to see that. Sure. That sounds great. I can do that. I got lots of behind the scenes that I've Oh man, we'd, we'd love to see that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's so lovely to talk to you. You're you're a real artist, and like Rich said, you're the first. You know that you're one of the first familiar faces that I always saw when you know I got to work. And as a guest star, you're looking for those you know friendly people that you recognize, and uh, you did always make me feel. You definitely put me in a good mood. So Aww, yeah, I thanks. appreciate all that. I got to say, it's I, I'm reiterating what Rob said in spades. We're coming in as guest stars. You don't know anybody and you you probably aren't going to get to know anybody, but Supernatural is the rare exception where the crew was so lovely. And I mean, Jeannie, I knew your first and last name after working with you once because it just stuck with me because you were just so lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it just, you know, like just to kind of put one more point into that, you know, at the very beginning, it was just Jared and Jensen and, and every episode we were supposed to be in a new town. So we had new, you know, guests coming in and, uh, guest stars coming in. And I think that was just, you know, part of that, you know, just wanting to make it a really nice environment for everybody. Like just have um, a good time. Like you're just coming over for, you know, a piece of pie and coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's just kind of the, that's kind of the environment that we wanted to create. And, yeah. um, and it was fun. And also like, it also helped when they cast really good personable people that you want to like get along with and get to know too. Right. So, yeah. Thank you for being wonderful human beings in our trailer as well, too. Oh, thank you. Mutual uh, Appreciation Society yeah. over here. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you we'll so much you, for being a part We'll have you show. back on. We have another good uh, hair episode to talk about. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, we've got eight, eight, <laughs> eight seasons, so we, <laughs> I'm sure we'll circle okay. back. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. This is Jared Padalecki stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. 
Um, many cultures have unique lore around zombies from Haitian to West African to the more recent American Romero or Walking Dead zombies. The idea of having to pin a zombie down in its tomb is historically accurate to the Greek lore of zombies. Also, a lot of people don't know this, but in Columbia, Missouri, certain people were born and raised there who have a creepy sexual obsession with zombies. And they don't realize it till they're 51. And it goes, it's the Benedict strain of person from <laughs> Columbia, Missouri. Uh, but that is, is uh, interesting that the, specifically it was the Greek lore of zombies that... Uh, they're referring to, yeah, uh, which is you know accurate to what they're writing in this episode. Oh yeah, uh, what was it that happened in Sicily, Rich? Well, it was specifically in Paso Marino, Sicily. Research archaeologists discovered evidence of their belief in zombie-like creatures going back more than two thousand years. Robbie, that's older than you and me combined, almost, <laughs> almost. In studying burials of what they believe to be remains of revenants, a type of zombie creature they found the remains were pinned down with large stones. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's any, like, truth to that. I mean, Do like, zombies, zombies would pop up if you don't pin them down? <laughs> no, that zombies exist. I'm going to go with could, no, but, uh, you know. I'm going to go with no, too, but maybe there's some kind of, like, uh, like global, uh, what did we just go through? Pandemic? Pandemic, where, you know, people get sick and they're like nearly dead, but not really, and they walk really slowly. And I think we're just, those are really sick people. Okay. I, I, I feel very confident saying on behalf of this podcast, zombies don't exist, with a little caveat, an apology to the 1960s pop ensemble, the zombies, who did exist <laughs> and had a few hits. So they existed, but otherwise... No on the zombies. Oh, the 1984 documentary, Zombies, they really do exist. Um, <laughs> you know, the ancient Greeks also practiced necromancy or necromancy, which included summoning the dead spirits or reanimating their bodies. Yeah, which Rob would love to do after watching this episode. <laughs> that, that, so is, does that mean Frankenstein is a necromancer? I mean, Dr. Frankenstein? Yeah, I think Dr. Frankenstein is a necromancer. He brought somebody back from the wow. dead. That's crazy. You know, you, you you know that they used to look at him, you know, when he's going on a date and the, the gal would say, oh, you old necromantic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what you brought me dead flowers, <laughs> you old necromantic. Necromancy. So <clears throat> necro must be from the Latin, the dead. Dead. Yes. What are people that want to have sex with dead people? Benedicts. The, it's called the Benedict family. Oh. Necrophiliacs. Necrophiliacs, right. Wow, they came quick to you. Necrophilocrotch. You know why? Because you're a creepo. And so automatically your infatuation. I'm sitting here when the deposition gets served. I want to have the right lingo to describe what just happened in this conversation. Your Honor, I rest my case. Uh, it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts. Fun. So fun. So freaking fun. While digging the grave, Jared ripped his pants open. Kim Manners pointed out his whole keister was hanging out wrapped in BVDs. <laughs> That's hilarious. BVDs is a brand of underwear? Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's basically tidy whities That's hilarious. Oh, by the way, we should pause right now because the majority of our audience uh just passed out. <laughs> Finding out that Jared's pants uh, ripped open and had while googling Jared Padalecki keister. <laughs> yeah, and, and Jared Padalecki BVD. It's uh let me tell you something. That's one of my beefs about the episode. I'm glad we I'm glad I'm glad this fun fact was was here. When they go to dig up that young lady's grave, it's a perfect rectangle. In a uh, matter of in a matter of an hour. Yeah. First of all, security at all of these not graveyards, I, mean, I guess it's a graveyard, right? Cemeteries. Shame on the security service. They're it's awful. Questionable. Yeah, oh my gosh. They're not, they don't, nothing is drawing their attention to two guys driving onto the grounds and then the clank, clank, clank of shovels. And they're not exactly talking under their breath. They're like, Sammy, hey, blah, 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 Dean. Blah, 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 Sammy. Like they're not even trying to hide that they're doing something illegal and nobody shows up. Meanwhile, they dig a perfect rectangle. It's not even weirdly sighted. It's, it goes straight down. Straight down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, they're, they're unbelievable diggers is what they are. Or they're unbelievable. Yeah. They're unbelievable. Uh, they've got a talent at grave digging. Yes. Well, the dead tree first appeared in season one, Scarecrow. The show inherited the tree from the film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh my That's gosh. Fact. There's somebody else Rob would like to hook up with. Somebody who used to be dead and is hot. Uh, the title is a reference to a zombie film. Who? That's unfair. The title is a reference to a zombie film of the same name from 1972. This is the first time we hear or see the porn film franchise Casa Erotica, which becomes a runner in the show. Okay, let's talk about that for a second, because I know so your your character inserts itself into that porn 
right? As a character in Casa Erotica. Yes. I, I question your choice of the verb inserts, but yes. <laughs> ah. And so there are other times where that comes up. I take it. Yeah, I think I think this comes up the wrong thing to say. I shouldn't have said comes up. Uh, so, no, I think I think there's a, a whole load of these movies just gets shot across the series periodically. So it just, <laughs> just shoots its load. OK, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you're bang on with that one, Robbie. Anyway, so, yes, there's a there's a more more than one reference to the Casa Erotica uh, okay. porno, I didn't porno, pornographic uh, film series. That was a fun little, that was a fun, <laughs> awkward segment where he's just randomly sitting on the bed watching Casa Erotica and Dean comes in and is like, it's awkward. I love that. So funny. Yeah. yeah, it was hilarious. And it was awkward. Dean introduced himself as Alan Stanwyck, which is the name of a character in the 1985 Chevy Chase movie, Fletch. Fletch. I knew it immediately. Did you know it? I did know it immediately. Yep. Tim, um... It's the guy who played Otter in Animal House. Who's the... Uh, yeah, Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson plays Alan Stanwyck. That's funny. I mean, I can't remember... You know me. I can't remember anything. But that Tim Matheson sticks in my head. And the, se- the second he said, I'm Alan Stanwyck, I'm like, ah, that's awesome. Yep, totally. After the car crashes, we see blood drip on the phone. The phone shows the network as TELUS, which is a Canadian phone network. It would not have been available in Illinois. Oh, man. That's a good catch. That's a good catch. Yeah. I feel like there was another reference in this episode, another film reference at some point, but because they don't keep notes, I don't remember what it was. In my defense, I have COVID. Okay. In my defense too, Rich has COVID. <laughs> um, well, this is a good one. It's really fun. It's a fun podcast and, uh, and uh, a fun episode. Lots of laughs. Lots yeah. of uh, innuendo in this episode. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you at the next one. Yeah, we will. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Amara Zaragoza as Angela Mason, Serge Howd as Dr. Mason, Christopher Jacot as Neil, and Jared Kiso as Matt Harrison. Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things was written by Rael Tucker, directed by Kim Manners. Editing by David Ekstrom, music by Christopher Lennertz. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. This episode originally aired on October 19th, 2006. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Haida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's that about it? Music provided by Tim Wynn. This episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. Hey, it's not it's, it's not distracting in the slightest, is my point. Hey, so you make the call and do what you want. Hey, everybody. I'm Rob Benedict. And I am not. And this is season two, episode four of Supernatural with me and I am not talking about. By the way, I, I got to tell you something before we even get into this title of the episode, before we even start, uh-huh. I just have an advice. I just have an advice. I just have, have a piece advice. of advice okay. for you okay. and for everybody out there who's paying attention as a parent. Oh, boy. I feel strongly that children shouldn't play with dead things. Ah, that's There, good. I said it. I walked setup. away. Yeah. Now, yeah. as you were saying, what's the title right. of the episode? I like that you're talking like one of Steve's uh, politi- uh, 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 <laughs> I lost it. Which it's going to be funny. What's Steve? Steve producer. <laughs> Right when he writes a sentence that doesn't come out right because of misspellings, we would call that a Steveism. A Steveism. That's how you're talking right now, um, and I'm not really talking. So let's start over. This hey, intro. Is, this intro is going great. Here we go. They pose a grief counselor. No. <laughs> they pose as grief counselors. And they go, no, that's not what it says. It means they got a grief counselor and they moved his arms and legs. Are you guys there still? And we lost Rich. Um, I have one question first, and I'm going to ask this question based on your zombie question, your zombie part about the, the plants. The, the nerdy guy who ends up being our, our murderer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Our bad guy. If when he's he saves her so he can date the zombie, he wants to have her love and affection all to himself. So he re- brings her back to life. To have her be his own, correct? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if he, let's just say, 
I'm going to follow their storyline for a hot second. If he is experiencing any kind of erectile dysfunction, but he wants to hook up with her, if he takes, instead of like a doctor-prescribed Viagra, but an herbal remedy, when the herbal remedy works and he's ready to go, and then she comes near him, does his penis die? <laughs> because it's herbal. Because it's got plant life in it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure that will be cut out. But uh, we can only we can only wonder, Rich. We can only wonder. And I'm sure everyone had the same question. Listen, I I, I want to know the answer to this one. I know it's not going to make the cut. I know that. I know that puritanical Steve and Trey and their monk robes will eliminate that. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Steve has another question. Great. Now we're having a conversation. Lost Rich. I wonder if something ran out of batteries. After the car crashes, we see blood trip on the phone. See what? Blood trip on the phone? I think it's probably drip. D- dude, I have I have COVID. I'm not supposed to be reacting this much. Well, I have written here the, the discover, but I think it means they discover... I'm in the right episode, right? You got, you got, there's this, yeah. okay, just making sure. The brothers head to Angela's apartment and are able to save her roommate, who the suspect was cheating. The brothers head to Angela, the brothers head to, <laughs> the brothers head to the Angela's apartment. The brothers head to Angela's apartment and are able to save her roommate, who the suspect was cheating with. Them. Okay, let's dissect this one. So the brothers, we know the brothers go to Angela's apartment. Yep. Sorry, I, I, I got lost. What are we doing? Story Mill Media. 